0: Hey there. Welcome to my podcast. I happen to be Mike, your host. I'm a bass player and songwriter from Dayton, Ohio. This week I'm in Austin, Texas for the CD Baby DIY Music Conference. So it's appropriate that on this episode I have an independent musician with me. His name is Brandon Simler and he happens to live in Austin, which is uh, pretty convenient for him attending this conference. So one thing that's not so cool is uh, when I was recording this podcast, I had some audio problems and my audio is really garbled. Brandon comes through very clearly, though. So what I'm going to do in this episode is basically voiceover every single time I talk and try to let you to hear more of him. This is going to be an interesting experiment. Uh, stick with me.
1: Thank you. Yes, it is. Uh, it is steaming. It is steamy. We are on the uh, the Zoom chat here, so you can see I am uh, definitely sweating. Glad that there is not a video component to this, at least that I'm aware of.
0: Brandon will now officially introduce himself.
1: Yeah, my name is Brandon Semler. I am a uh, music marketing uh, professional uh, down in Austin, Texas, and I am also a musician, an independent musician. And, um, yeah, enjoying life. Working on some new things. Um, just started this uh, this business up recently with my wife Jackie, who have you have met?
0: I have met Jackie, and I commented that she is lovely.
1: She she is she is she is um, far more talented than me, and uh, far more organized. Really, we don't have to run down the list, but it's like most of <laughs> the things that are there, she's better at them. Um, and I'm very lucky to uh, to to have her around. <laughs>
0: This is when I asked Brandon how we met and attempted to let him tell the story.
1: We met. It's it it's so crazy, and I I feel like it's like from a movie or something. Yeah, it really is. Uh, okay, it's one of those things that gives you the feeling that you know. Something else bigger and more meaningful is going on because how else does that kind of coincidence happen in the world, you know? Um, But uh, so we were at the CD Baby conference in gosh, I think the last time it was held in person, which was in 2019. Yes, sir. And we were in Austin, Texas. At uh, which hotel is that? The Hilton Downtown. Yes. So we're we're uh, in Austin. Uh, I live there. You live in. Xenia, uh, Ohio.
0: I grew up in Xenia, but I live in Fairborn now. But it's the same county, Green County.
1: Still Green County, yes. I grew up in Green County in Yellow Springs, Ohio, um, and um, and moved to Austin. And we are both very coincidentally both in the music space and both at this conference. Um, not really having any idea who we, who the other is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were in a room, and you, if you if you can remember parts that I'm missing here, feel free to chime in. But there was something going on in a room where people were kind of gathered around almost in a circle.
0: Turns out that I remember more details than Brandon, and there was a lot of back and forth here in the original conversation. To shorten that story, there's an ice-breaking room at the conference to get— all of us introverted musicians used to talking to each other. And we were around a table that was labeled with Midwest. And I, we all have name badges that say where we're from. And one of the attendees looks at my name badge and says, Hey, that guy over there is from Dayton. And I look at Brandon and his badge says Austin, but it turns out we grew up 10 miles apart.
1: Yeah. And then, so was it, we, we, 'Cause I remember I thought it did did it sort of happen through a third party, like someone else there. Right. Right. I think it was Midwest, but mm-hmm. somehow and again, you might have a better memory than me. Somehow we both realized we were from like Green County at yeah. this moment. So- and it was crazy. Yeah, no, I was OK that you were far better at telling the story. First of all, my my memory is absolutely mush. I'll get that uh, right on right off uh, my chest right here at the beginning. Um, but I do remember just that moment of being like, wait, someone from Dayton is here and looking over and seeing you. And we struck up a conversation and and it was it was crazy. I it, Very rarely i I barely frequently run into people from the Midwest down here because, you know, a lot of transplants, you'll run into someone from Indiana, someone from, you know, what Illinois, someone, you know, wh- whatever. But the fact that we're at this music conference <laughs> and I run into this person who live or at least who grew up 10 miles away from where yep. I grew up yep. was wild. It was just wild. Um, And, uh, and yeah, we've been, we've been buds ever since. So uh, you tell me, Mike, uh, what were you able to take away from that first conference?
0: Well, that ended up actually being my third conference experience. I had been to two others in Nashville and the conversation kind of meanders, but we get to the point where Brandon and his wife came to Ohio, uh, to come back home and visit some family. And while he was here, I managed to convince him to come to the studio with me and play a mandolin on one of my songs. And he was willing to do it. And it was a great experience.
1: That was a blast. That was a blast. And you know what? It was an honor to be asked by anyone to play mandolin on anything because I, uh, well, uh, suffice to say, don't consider it my best instrument by any stretch, <laughs> but we got the job done. I was really happy with the way things came out um, and I was playing it a lot more than than I am now. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a really cool recording, man. That was really fun to be a part of. It was cool that to just kind of take that little detour to Dayton and jump in on that session and then kind of go back about things again. I, I'm really thank you for letting me be a part of that. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely. No, it really was. And I mean, Dayton's just there. There's there's real magic in in Dayton and even the the larger Dayton area. I think there's so much talent there that and such a tight knit community that you don't always see, even in big cities like Austin, where I am now. Um, you guys really get out and support each other. Uh, you guys seem to really have each other's backs. And uh, that's something I really respect and appreciate. And part of that's just Midwestern values. Right. Yeah uh part of that's just uh, hey my my friends are my friends i've got their backs they've got mine uh and that's that's really cool that that's one of my favorite aspects of living up there and just being a part of a community like that
0: this is when i ask brandon to talk about his band westerly station
1: i am i am in a band called westerly station yes oh We've <laughs> depends on which iteration. No, I, I put us in the, in probably the power pop and rock and roll space. Uh, we, we can tend to drift into folky territory at times. Um, but, uh, like for example, our first, uh, couple singles were far heavier on folk, more mandolin. I was playing more mandolin back then the EP we released during COVID was almost straight power pop. There's a couple mandolin tracks in there. Um, but, uh, and the stuff we're working on now is, is uh, or at least worked on recently, is kind of drifting into almost like modern Americana a bit. So we, we, we try to keep it fresh. Hey, my kind of template for a group like Westerly Station is trying to follow um, the, uh, the Bible of Chris Collingwood and Adam Schlesinger in terms of how I, how I stay open to different sounds and different styles and don't try to close myself off, you know?
0: Reach on, brother. <laughs>
1: we're we we are both uh, we are both uh, in the uh, church of the fountains of Wayne, um, but uh, yeah, I, I uh, so yeah, we're, so we're kind of in a thing about Westerly Station is we kind of come together for periods, work on new music, record it, play some shows, and then we'll have periods where we are we are kind of more or less dormant, and we're kind of in one of those right now, which is nothing to say like we're going to be stopped forever or anything like that. It's just. Uh, John's got a different career. Jackie's got a different career. I've got a different career, although Jackie and my careers are starting to meld a little bit. but um so but we have we do have some new music that we are going to be uh, getting out there here uh, probably sooner rather than later. but um but yeah, it's it's been a joy. We're really good friends. Uh, we're actually all roommates, funny enough. <laughs> we're housemates, I should say. Um, but uh. And it's just been a joy to be a part of that project, and it's really fun to have something to work on with your friends, you know? That's the coolest part about being in a band.
0: The Westerly Station EP has a logo on it of an armadillo in the shape of a guitar, which is really cool. I mentioned that my favorite song from the EP is called Sarah's Dream, and I'm going to play it for you right now.
1: sarah's dream yeah i was really at the time i kind of stumbled upon that little opening guitar lick and um then the the melody just kind of fell in after that it definitely i would say is inspired like a lot of what i write by the more kind of uh 60s garage band sort of sounds and melodies there um but uh no the song is really kind of about a uh sort of finding a new spark in a sort of uh an older relationship or an older older marriage which is funny because i you know that it's a complete story it really didn't have much to do with with my life because gosh at the time i wrote it i don't think i was even married yet um but uh yeah it was it was really uh fun to write i really just the melody just stuck with me and Jackie and I worked out the harmonies and I said, okay, I, I think this is really something. John actually was really essential in coming up with that, uh, that melody line, the um, that kind of goes throughout it. Um, and we wrote that little breakdown part uh, that that kind of drifts really into like, I would almost say, sort of almost like a thin Lizzy, just a really big kind of rock sound. And uh, we, we recorded it uh, here here in town, and we're, we were really happy with how it came out. What I, I'm curious to ask, Mike, well, what do you like about the song?
0: I told him I happen to love the bass part, and also the, uh, the harmonies are fantastic. I might have mentioned specifically that this song was baptized in the waters of Fountains of Wayne.
1: <laughs> it's got that kind of like... Uh, the do 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 that sort of r&b sort of feel to it thank you yeah i that's all i want to hear it's it's so funny that so much of my direction in westerly station there's the collaborative aspect where we all try to bring ideas to the table but so much of the time especially for that record i was just like well i've It's Like, what would Adam Slashinger do? (laughs) Uh, And and it's, and and in a way that I think we're still definitely, there's still a distinguishing factor there and a lot of originality to it. But I just love, I love rock and roll and I love writing rock and roll songs. And I think that's what the, that was the thesis of what those guys did too. So, so it was really that. But um, yeah, no, the, the, the harmonies were fun. I, 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 I'm really uh, thrilled that you like the bass line. You being a bass player, I am sort of a, converted and when I need to bass player um but we cut that live the the bass and drums wow. were cut live yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh it, we we might we might have punched some stuff but it was mostly we really wanted to capture like an energetic rhythm section on uh on that record um so we yeah so John and I for that one and for troubled times John and I we we I think we did a scratch track initially with which was probably me just doing vocal and guitar, and then John and I went in and cut the you know we rehearsed it the week before and then went in and cut the bass and drums at the same time. Sure, there there's no right or wrong way to do to do it, and in fact I'm working on a working a, really hard on a solo project right now that is more or less that, although now that I'm thinking about it, I did record that, <laughs> the face of drums live on it, but it is way more dispersed, like recording separate parts at, uh, at different times. And, and, you know, there's no whatever really gets the job done, either uh, for the product you're looking for or out of necessity, what, whatever you need to do to get it done. Uh, I, I don't think there's any, any right or wrong path to recording. It's really what's best for the artist absolutely and there was a line that i can't remember exactly what it was but this was probably 10 years ago or so but someone was interviewing uh, flea about the latest red hot chili peppers record and he said something about how you know well we still make it like a priority to record live because there's just energies you can capture there that kind of come out of the ether that come out of that that bond with each other and that you know that uh Shared intensity, sort of. Uh, And that really, that always stuck with me. So I always try to keep some elements of the records I'm working on live, even if it's just the rhythm section, um, just to see if we can't tap into a little of that, that a little bit of electricity you can try to generate, you know?
0: Yeah. This is one I asked Brandon, what was the first song that he can remember ever hearing?
1: Oh, that's a good, great question. Well, thank you. The first song I remember hearing was Jailhouse Rock by Elvis Presley. Elaborate. Yeah. (laughs) Is that what we're supposed to do here? I thought I just gave one one word answer. So it's really kind of a cool story. Um, So my dad back in the, uh, was in a, let's see, this would have been actually started in the 70s when he was in high school, was in a 50s cover band. Called the Hoppers. This is a band that still plays around in Yellow Springs, uh, in the greater Yellow Springs area. This is a uh, 50s, 60s cover band, but this would have been in the mid 70s. They performed for basically for fun. I think it was at their school of talent show or whatever, but it was during the 70s when that kind of American graffiti, grease, 50s throwback wave was going through. And, uh, they did that, and then at their 10-year reunion, they did it again, and then they kept it up, and they played throughout the 80s with that, and then they all started having kids like me in the, uh, the early 90s and kind of took a break there. I saw my dad singing Jailhouse Rock on a videotape of that 10-year reunion. That's the first song I ever remember hearing. Wow. Yeah, kind of a weird story, huh? But but it, it it's and it's of course it's like my dad. So of course, being young, it's like this is like yeah,
0: he's your hero when you're
1: young. Yeah, this I mean, and Andy's wearing sunglasses and looks super cool and is singing with this cool baritone that I would <laughs> come to learn was borrowed from uh, Elvis Presley. But uh, and uh, it really stuck with me and just the energy of it. Um, I know it's, you know, it's, it's old school rock and roll and I still am a huge fan of, of that kind of stuff. Um, and funny enough, starting in high school, that 50s, 60s band got back together and guess who was in it? <laughs> I was, I'd say that was the teeth cutting period. Cause I was just running around. I formed a power trio as well with two of the members of that band that played out a lot too. And a lot of kind of. College for me was running around playing in these different color cover bands and just getting just getting experience live experience learning more about playing guitar and being a live musician and um and all that so and then I played with them for about ten years until I moved to austin really um so uh and they're still going strong it it's uh so the last time I uh actually played with that band The Hoppers was at the uh Clifton, I think Clifton Music and Arts Festival, which happens I think every August there in Clifton, um, in like 2019, and because uh, I, you know, when I come back, if 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 the dates line line up, I always sit in with them and 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 whatnot. Um, but uh, I think it was like the biggest cl- crowd I've played to in like 10 plus years with my with my dad's uh, old time, you know, old fashioned cover band at this thing because I think people in the area. I've just been going out and seeing them for a long time now and just, just love doing it. And it's, it's a, it's a really cool thing. They've got going on.
0: Was breakfast at Clifton mill part of this adventure? I don't think so. This uh, no, is I, I
1: don't. Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, the last time, when was the last time I've had, it's amazing. I love breakfast at Clifton mill. Um, you're referring to just vaguely breakfast at Clifton Mill, not an event called Breakfast at Clifton Correct. Mill,
0: right? The, uh, the yes, general concept okay. <laughs> of eating the first middle of the day in the restaurant next to the
1: <clears throat> I love it. Yes, that is a that is quite a nice and serene uh, time at Clifton Mill for sure. Um, but uh, so anyway, about the yeah, back to the first song question. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the stuff my dad listened to '50s, '60s music was. There was a lot of that happening for me early in my life when we were dri- just driving around. That that was Oldies Radio back then when I, when I was a few years old. Oldies Radio was 50s, 60s, and now it's uh, Stone Temple Pilots and <laughs> Allison <in> Chains. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I think those melodies really captivated me, and I think I thought sort of thought melody first from then on just that was the thing that really grabbed me about those songs early on
0: what are you doing this weekend
1: this weekend i am going to the cd baby uh independent musician no diy musician conference
0: yeah Yeah. convenient it's in the place where you live
1: it is really convenient. It's going to be a lot less convenient when it's not anymore. Um, <laughs> but, uh, hey, we've stretched it out over a four-year period now, right, with the uh, the last two being, I think, remote. They did remote-only versions, didn't they? Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. It's not the yeah, same yeah. as being in person.
1: I would agree. I would agree. Uh, and I think there's a remote capability for this there too. There is.
0: It's, it's uh, both, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, It's a great conference. We met so many cool people there. Last time, in fact, some friends of ours, uh, you, met, you met the fine folks at three at home, I believe. I
0: believe I did. I don't rem- I'll have to go through my business cards. Okay.
1: The yeah, face they're, is they're... not coming to me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, they're doing a little tour on the way there from Massachusetts right now. Um, it, it's kind of cool, though. It's at least a few of the people we met there last time are going to be back, including yourself and them. Um, but it's just such a cool opportunity to meet new people, to hear from new voices and just also new educational tools. New, you know, all of this is available in this space and a chance to interact with everyone in person, which is such a sort of a rare thing these days with everything being uh, online for the most part. Uh,
0: I was going to ask you why you were going, but you already answered. And so I don't have to ask you. Yeah.
1: And I'm, I'm wearing a few hats there this time. Cause I've got the, uh, obviously I've done the westerly stuff, even though we're kind of on a, we're just, just on a little uh, break now that always sounds ominous, but I'll, it literally just means we're not writing and stuff right now. Um, but uh, I've got a new solo project I'm working on. So I am going to be gathering as much knowledge as I can, as I start to put that marketing plan together. And then Jackie and I have just started a business. So we want to be, Speaking with every other person in there in the industry and learning as much as absolutely possible so we can bring the most value to the artists we work with as possible.
0: Well, let's tackle those independently. Let's first start with uh, your solo project. Do you have a name for it yet? That you're, yeah, that you the, like yeah, sharing? yeah.
1: No, I'll, I'll share it. This, will, this is the debut. I've never spoken this in public.
0: Wow. I, I like um, having things broken on the podcast.
1: Yeah, this is it's breaking here. Uh, it's called Cackleberry Jones.
0: Like the guy from uh, Police Academy?
1: I sure hope not.
0: Cackleberry <laughs> <laughs> Jones? Yeah, cackle with a C. Ah, like laughing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cackleberry Jones. So this like was Crackety like, Jones, but Crackleberry instead of Crackety.
1: Yeah, ca- and it's, yeah, cackle like you're laughing. Cackleberry yeah, Jones. I like it. And it's, it's funny. It came to me, and I just, like, in the height of COVID, uh well, I don't know what the height was. Who who does? But uh this would have been like summer of 2020 when things just felt so crazy and it was getting to the point like we're like, oh, this might not end soon. And uh and also you had this kind of just these rampant, I mean, just a lot of unrest and a lot of uh well, I'm sure you remember it. It just f- almost felt like getting hammered with a with a sledgehammer every day, waking up, yeah, scrolling it, your phone.
0: I mean, the world has pretty much been a dumpster fire for a while, but that was the, it, uh, the very dumpster yeah. fireist part of the dumpster fire, <laughs> right? Exactly.
1: And so I ended up just getting going very inward and writing this very like psychedelic sort of concept record. Um, sort of it's sort of about how you how you lose empathy in life and can really isolate yourself trying to carve your own path and then kind of want a why, uh, question where you ended up um and, and I don't claim that this is the first time anyone in the rock and roll space has attempted such a feat but uh it felt really real it felt very very different from anything i had done to that point and uh it, i and i just didn't i just I was like, what's the name of this thing? And I, it was like a word of I mean like pure stream of consciousness, like Jackalberry Jones, that's what it's called. And so I've been working on developing it. I've made an E I've made basically two EPs already. Um, that are, that are one needs to be mixed. One is fully done. Uh, but, uh, and I'm just starting to get the, the, the ball rolling with that and trying to make it, trying to make it different. And, uh, just, you know, I, I'm in a band, I, I, I have a, a group where I try to kind of do things like a normal band. This is something where I want to try to go left as, as often as possible. Um, so so we'll, see what, we'll see what turns up of it. But I'm working hard on putting that marketing plan together, probably for
0: next year. And, uh, and we'll see what happens from there. So you finished the fun stuff. You've done the writing and recording. The marketing plan is the not fun stuff.
1: I have the the controversial opinion that I think the marketing stuff, the marketing stuff can be fun. You just have to make it part of your art. You have to make it an extension of the art. Yeah, that's 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 how I feel about it. That
0: sounds like a good segue to your business. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, and last thing on Cackleberry,
1: though, you know, I'm putting together visual assets. I'm really trying to be diligent about. Building something that connects in multi, kind of multiple ways online, if I can. But yeah, and the and sort of the uh, the business about that too, though. Basically, what we are is a digital marketing company for uh, for small independent artists who are looking to build their following online. Um, and uh, the beautiful thing about living right now is that you can build your following from anywhere. I mean, like you can be in the remotest part of. Uh, Arizona and you can you can build a following without stepping outside of your door but it does take strategy and uh, it's it takes time it takes effort it takes energy and patience (laughs) but but you can do it you know and it's basically helping artists to build out their own funnel realize what kind of content they can implement that's natural and actually part of their artistic brand, we want them to be doing stuff they're excited to do. We don't like, for example, you, you, Mike, like for your, for I know you love baseball. I do. I I if if we're talking to you about this stuff, I'd want you to, I want you talking about the things you're interested in. Because we what we've seen is there's often a whole lot of Positive correlation with what your fans are interested in and what you're interested in. Um, so putting together content that you're excited to make that you feel like is an extension of your brand, and then building a fan base and and building out a funnel to make those fans even bigger fans and to make offers to them and to make them advocates, you know, over a period of time that that's basically what it's about. Um, but it is very digitally focused because we we just know, especially. With COVID and everything, we learned, you know, I, being around people is kind of, we used to take it for granted, but you just don't know anymore, <laughs> um, sadly. But uh, I think that was one thing that really inspired us to kind of help people to take the reins and and start to build this stuff out themselves.
0: So that sounds like the kind of thing where, you know, maybe next year you might be a presenter at this particular conference. <laughs>
1: Oh, we would be beyond honored. And in fact, so many of the people who have spoken there have inspired us. We've learned so much from all of them. I mean, um, that, that, that'd be incredible. We'll see where we're at. We, we're just, we just put in the work a day at a time and, and see what
0: happens. <laughs> the reason I know that's a thing is because there are two musicians that I have met at this conference, one in 2017 mm-hmm. in Nashville. And one in 2019 in Austin, two very talented ladies who I met at the conference, and they both have sessions this year on the conference where they're presenting. So, I mean, I'm sure they're going to attend and listen and learn stuff, but, like, you know, they're part of the education. So I know that it's doable. Oh, sure. Uh, I would love to see you up on that stage.
1: I I would too. That'd that'd be an honor. Um, Love going to the conference every year. And we're we're happy to be there learning too. And even when you're running a business and even when you are a speaker, there's still so much to learn from everyone else. The other speakers and the people who are there, because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is get people to make careers out of their music. And those are the people to learn from. What are you struggling with? what what is the hardest thing about marketing your music right now what is the thing that's getting in your way the most you know that's the kind of stuff you can learn and that that really helps at anything because you can you can help them find those answers
0: so assuming everything goes according to plan now we're having this conversation on sunday is it still Sunday? Yeah, Sunday, August twenty-first. Sometimes the day is just you just I just yeah. lose track. All right, we're having this conversation yeah. on the evening of Sunday, August twenty-first. I plan for this conversation, uh, for this podcast episode to go up on Friday, August twenty-sixth, which is the first morning of the three-day conference. So, if you, I'm going to talk specifically to anyone from the conference that might have decided to listen to this, whether you're listening over the weekend as you were in Austin or whether you were listening as you've gone home. First of all, thank you for listening to this episode. I'm assuming that either I told you about it in a face-to-face conversation or Brandon told you about it in a (laughs) face-to-face conversation because we are interested in, right? Both of us want to help artists in our own way. Both of us want to learn in our own way. And I think we share the goal that we would like someone to someday just give us a paycheck in exchange for writing music. That would be nice. And if you're going to this conference or if you just attended this conference, you probably would also like to someday be handed a paycheck in exchange for writing songs or performing songs. It's and I know a lot of people in your life, dear listener, who is an independent musician, might not understand that they might think that you want to be famous or that you want to be rich. And you might not want to be right. You might have you love music or else you wouldn't be doing this you love music or else you wouldn't be at this conference and you would like this to be your way to make a living, putting aside thoughts of fame or whatever. You're sick of the perhaps evil, stressful corporate job and you want to get paid doing what you love and there's nothing wrong with that.
1: There's nothing wrong with it and in fact, it's actually possible to to do that today. The beautiful thing, look there's so many drawbacks to the world being increasingly online, but one of the beautiful things about it is your, your potential market is now global. So if you can implement the right kind of strategies up top and find your fan base, you don't have to be famous. You just need enough of your fans who are committed to you and you need to build that relationship over time to the point where they are advocating you to others, taking up your offers, wanting to buy your merch, wanting to support you in any way they can. Subscribe to your Patreon, you know? You don't need an... A, incredible number of loyal fans to make a living. But you just got to build those relationships over time. And that's what we try to do at Missing Amelia, or at least get people in the process of doing
0: that. Yeah. So where can a musician go find information on your business at the moment? Let's say they're, they're home from the conference. They're reviewing their notes. They've, they're listening to this podcast right now. Where do we send them, Brandon?
1: Uh, Missingamelia.com is a great place to start. And in fact, you can fill out a form on the, it's all on one page there saying who you are, what's going on. We, we, we'd love to talk to you. Um, and uh, my, it, my Instagram for the purposes of Missing Amelia is Brandon Semler Music is the handle. Uh, that's a good place too. We try to post uh, reels almost daily with education. We, we're just giving out free education. We just want to help people get to where they're going. So um, that, that'd probably be the best place to, to, to reach us right
0: now. Cool. You can find those links in the show notes. And if perchance you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday of the conference, look around for us, for, for me and Brandon on uh, Saturday and Sunday. I'm six foot three and I'm very large and I'm uh, a black man with green eyes, which is something you don't see every day. Well, it'll be green eyes if I wear the right color shirt, uh, but I'm tall. And I look old, so I'll be easy to find. Brandon is a handsome young man with a beard. Um, yeah, try to try to find him. More, we'll more in this,
1: more in the six feet range, also large.
0: Yeah, we we are. <laughs> well, you well, can Mike's tell that we're more handsome. You can tell that we like to eat. You
1: can, you can. No question in that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, we'll talk to you. That's that's you know we're not. I mean, he lives in Austin anyway but he had, to, I do. he had to take the time and energy and money to actually buy a ticket to the conference. Uh, I am flying to Austin. I don't live there, but uh, we're there for a reason. Uh, we want to be educated and, you know, it's part of the business, right? As an independent musician, Absolutely. as much as we sometimes hate to think of it this way, <laughs> we are all small business owners and this is part of the work. So we're going to be there to do the work.
1: Absolutely. And, and one of the things we, we, we try to say uh, as well is just um, time to drop the starving artist mentality, start and pick up the creative entrepreneur mentality. And, you know, we're building, we are building a business. The business is our music and basically us as a brand. But that's that's what we're trying to build over time. And and uh, we we're super optimistic about what people can do. It just take it takes a process. It takes a strategy and uh, and just educating yourself on on your market and, and, and how to execute.
0: That is a fantastic pitch. I really do feel like you're going to be presenting on this someday.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's also, and the thing about the pitch too is, it's like you can work with us, but you can also not. Like there are so many places you can, you can get the education. Look at look at the site like Indopreneur. They've, yeah. they've they've presented at this thing. They they inspire us to no end. And I mean, you you know that course I think is. 40 some bucks a month, something like that. that where, the, Or it's not just a course, that's access to all of their courses, which teaches you everything. So, I mean, we're we're really just about getting these people the knowledge. If they do want to work with us, great. But there are so many other places to get the knowledge as well.
0: All right. So the the pitch session of our conversation has ended. Now I have the other <laughs> question I like to ask everyone, but this one I didn't come up with. I stole this from a defunct podcast here in Dayton called the Gem City Podcast. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they're no longer a thing. Uh, shout out to Terry and Libby. I love you guys. But uh, Terry, Izzy Rock Martin on the music episodes used to always ask this. And now that he doesn't have that podcast anymore, I feel like I need to ask this question for him. Uh, so that question is, Brandon, what did your childhood smell like? I'm going to say grassy baseball pants. That sounds like a guided by voices album name.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, if I'm thinking about it, I just remember being in what is my childhood. I'm in a baseball uniform. I've got pants with like that are more grass stain than pants at that point. And that's what it smells like to me.
0: What position did you play?
1: First base. I'm a, I'm a left-hander. So I had one of uh, five options or uh, he had to choose one of five options.
0: I am also <laughs> a left-hander.
1: Hey, Southpaws. And All terribly
0: right. slow. So I actually really only had two options.
1: <laughs> like <if> you <laughs> don't want me in the outfield. Right. Right. That was mostly me too. Yeah. No. And I just love first. I love the the challenge of having to, uh, you know, dig them out of the dirt, try to master the one hopper, uh, I, I, I love first base. Sean Casey was my favorite baseball player
0: growing up. He always seemed like a decent fella.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think so, too. Um, but uh, yeah, I was all, I'm watching going, oh, here's a big guy. He plays baseball. He hits the ball well. He plays first base. That looks like something to aspire to be.
0: <laughs> Who's your favorite baseball player now?
1: Uh, it's got to be Joey Votto i first baseman. Red's first baseman. He also I'm seems just... like a
0: decent fellow, and sadly, he's done for the year.
1: I know. That rotator cuff was a was a problem. And he didn't um, get no
0: younger. I don't know how many more years he has left. It, yeah. He's been you getting wonder. beat on fastballs a lot more than he did the rest of his career. He
1: has. And, you know, you, you wonder, because he had a fairly decent season last year. He was homering a lot, at least. You have to wonder if the injury played a part. You can never say definitively what's wear and tear and what's what what what's the good old father time? But um but yeah, it it is too bad that he's he's struggled a little more recently. But the dude's just like talk about a beacon of light in an otherwise dark situation for Cincinnati. I mean, a baseball team has basically been him for 10 years now. Yeah.
0: Absolutely Hall of Famer, right? Oh yeah. He's
1: gotta be. I mean, I think he even if he finishes with stats that could have been better if he re- retired two years ago. I think his impact on the game, especially when it comes to how well he performed in, in the more advanced analytical fields. Yeah. Elite on base walk- skills,
0: Joey Vidal. Ex- and actually exactly. that's the skill set that takes the longest to go, right? As yeah. long as you can still see, you should right. be able to do your walks, right? <laughs> Even I've, if the I've, fastball beats you sometimes
1: absolutely and he was still even through last year able to make people pay i mean any miss whatsoever and going out of the park or into the gap but um so yeah and i love Votto. i've I, i've loved him ever since he he started with the team and i'd have to say he's my uh, at least my favorite current player how about how about you
0: my favorite career going up was tom glavin lefty pitcher oh nice and i always yeah. just love the cat and mouse game of How do you set up a hitter? Uh, Yeah. What do you, you know, given the stuff that you have, what do you do to get them out? Some hitters like, you know, dudes like Tony Gwynn, there was, it was hard to get that guy out. Uh, He never struck out. So you knew he was making contact. Uh, But yeah, I I always enjoy that part of the game. I still enjoy that part of the game. But pitchers are so much more athletic and strong and nutrition and, and, and sports science has come so far. That, you know, obviously the three true outcomes is the way baseball is today, which I yeah. get because if you're a pitcher, you really don't want them to put it in play because some of those are going to fall. <laughs> so, OK, I have a
1: I have a political baseball question
0: for you, too. It's probably not political; you, it's probably just a baseball question, but go ahead.
1: I know I say political, if anything, has multiple arguments. I don't know why it's not the, the definition of the word. Um, banning the shift. Nonsense. Nonsense. Keep the shifts. Okay. Yeah,
0: they shifted Ted Williams. No, I get it. And it's funny. We just you weren't smart enough like, to do it to everyone else. <laughs> right,
1: right, right, right. No, I get it completely. It's like... It, the, the question for me comes down to this fundamental thing of do I want players to need to suck it up and just learn how to bunt to the left side, or do I want a better product?
0: So Because... I don't think that banning the shift makes a better product. Uh, In fact, I hate that people call it the shift. It's just a manner of of arranging your fielders. It's true. The hit chart data says this is where the balls get hit, so that's where you put your people. It ain't rocket science. You You know know what I saw yesterday? I didn't watch a lot of the games yesterday, but I flipped on the Braves game briefly. And uh, no, it wasn't the Braves game. I take that back. Who was it? I don't remember who it was, but there was a hitter that. They put the three infielders on the right side of the lefty. They dropped a bunch of third base and basically walked to first. And that gave Beautiful. the team runners on first and second. Now, yeah. I'm going to get super nerdy. I'm sure you're aware there's a field of mathematics called game theory, right? Yeah. And this plays into baseball. So, like, game theory says that uh, there's going to be a point where if you keep taking that free base, guess what's going to happen to the infielders? They're going to stop moving around for you. And then you can swing away how you want. And right. I think if more hitters if they're going to give you first base, you take first base, right? Well, yeah, I would agree. Would you, would you
1: say though, maybe more of the problem is actually in the training and development of these yes. players and the prioritization of the launch angle?
0: Yes. And all power. Look, I and, get and it. That being so, wait, there are some so players in contracts. There are yeah. some players you don't want to bunt. Right. If I've got Freddie Freeman. I'm going to tell Freddie Freeman, go ahead. Well, Freddie, first of all, he's brace spot all fields. He does hit a lot of line drives to short, right? A second baseman gobble up, but he also hits a lot of line drives into the left field gap, right? So, um, so he's probably not a good example. What's a a dead pull lefty hitter that just mashes the ball? Uh, who's oh, of course now who's I'm not, blanks. Who's not <laughs> Freddie Freeman? Uh, well, even a righty, like some of those guys you don't want to tell them to bunt, right? Because you'll right. take right. you'll take the increase and in chances they're going to get a line drive out. With some of those line drives are going to go over the fence. Sure. and all things being equal you kind of want the chance for the ball to go over the fence but there for people that don't have that kind of power and especially if the league keeps fiddling with the baseballs and humidors and if the home run environment gets depressed then i think that you teach your offense to take the base that they're going to give it to you right yeah the, the yeah, name of the game is not making outs. no so right <laughs> Whatever you can do to not make it out, that's fine. And if that's a walk, that is just as good as a single, which is just as good sure. as dropping a bunt, if you know, other than sacrifices. And really, now absolutely. that there's no more pitchers hitting, there's no reason to ever sacrifice, except for maybe in the extra innings when you got your runner on second and you're like, if you're the home, yeah. team, you're trying to end it, right? But uh
1: absolutely, Mike. I just want to say we need to talk more often because the, there are so few baseball fans in my life. <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna need to we're gonna need to text more about this stuff we, you know i uh, feel
0: like we could do an entire podcast just about bait base- i am a baseball i would a do complete it. nerd a complete i would do it nerd.
1: i would do it yeah I, I would i would love that i would and you might be more of a uh, a nerd than i am but i find just baseball fans are just falling off the face of the earth but like
0: it's a cry and shame i uh, mean my dad got me into the game and i love the game and from a, an ass also, a historical nerd People that look like me fought for so long to be able to play this game with the highest level, uh, and it's just kind of a shame that more young black kids don't like the game. It's a great game. Yeah, it takes it takes a, a lot of skill and speed and power and athletic ability and hand-eye like coordination, and it's just a really a shame that more kids aren't into it. And and as much as I love to watch it on TV, man, you cannot beat a day at the ballpark in person. No, you. And really I can't. love watching it on TV, but man, it's so great in person.
1: Baseball is one of that's what I tell people. It's like baseball is one of the few sports that like it doesn't matter who's playing. If you're there, yeah, it's it's poetry, you know. It's just and that's the the, the coolest part of the game too. I think is it when people say baseball is boring, I say no, it's not. You just have to watch. You yes. just have to invest, and,
0: and you can't and be on your that. phone at a baseball. First of all, it's a good way to get yourself hitting the head by a line drive. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. But it, there there's a real like there's a real flow to it. There's a real art to it. And then you build into really gradually build into what I think are the most exciting situations in sports where you've got two runners on bottom of the eighth in the postseason or whatever. And your heart is just beating out of its chest, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I know we we've probably got to wrap soon, but I got to, I got to nerd out on fountains with you a little bit too. Let's do that. We need to start a, a podcast that is just baseball and fountains of
0: Wayne. I tell you what, here's first of all i need to have you back for more than one reason but i do have the idea and i've already started this i have an idea for for a series on my podcast where we break down each found of wayne record
1: oh my god can i please be on that yes well i've already done the first some of it
0: i've already done the first record uh like i need someone to help break down utopia parkway with me would you be that's uh, that's
1: among my favorite records right so, so yes absolutely
0: after we're done here, we'll schedule that, and then the next time I have you on, it'll be like an hour on Utopia Parkway.
1: Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. That's got to appeal is, to a very specific niche audience, but...
1: Absolutely. What is your favorite record of theirs? First one. First one? It's it's so good. It's such part a... Of like,
0: it, new... Part of it is where I was in my life when I heard it. Sure. But part of it is, if you, if you write songs, and you want to learn, for instance, if you don't know how to write a bridge, go just learn that record. Like... Oh, oh my gosh! I've,
1: I've told Jack. That's so funny. I literally, I'm sorry. I did not oh, mean to. Go that ahead. Guy. Go, 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 go. Got go. really excited. Got really excited. I was just like, they are the kings of the bridge. They're, They're perfect. A, hundred, a thousand batting average. There's never a bad bridge in any of those songs.
0: I know. In fact, uh, I played a, I played porch fest yesterday. Porch fest Dayton and uh, covered yeah. Barbara H as part of my set, which was kind of fun. Uh, oh, such a right. such a great song. Yeah. There's not. I mean, there's not a bad song on that record. They're all great. It's The record is 12 songs and it comes in at like barely 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> it's if you want to learn how to write songs and you don't know how. Go listen to that record a thousand times to tell you how to write songs.
1: I agree completely. I, it's funny. My, my, I'd say my favorite is totally on the utopia parkways up there for me, but um. I think "Sky Full of Holes" is my favorite of theirs. I, oh, bless you! Just...
0: Bless you for not saying the one that everyone says.
1: Welcome, to interstate managers. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Great record, but great record. not my favorite. Also, not my favorite. <laughs> it's great. To, it's great, top to well, top to like almost bottom. <laughs> I feel like there's a couple,
0: couple B sides snuck in there at the end, um, like Stacy's mom. Oh, burn. You I feel like the up. label told them to put that on there.
1: Definitely. I feel like when it comes on the radio, I'm always like, I mean, I get it. Like, I get it. It's a great, it's a just the catchiest song. It's a ever. pop radio song. It is. And it's a, a car song. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> basically, but um, but yeah, it's it's so it, yeah, and that re- that record's really good too. But sky full of holes to me, just I feel like you can hear the sadness that was in the band. Well, they were record. on
0: the verge of breaking up, right? They're I like, know they were, they were, we're done at- with the relationship, but they were actually both invested by then because you know that one record that uh, Collingwood basically took off uh, the previous right, one, right? So like it right. was like the last creative gasp of their friendship and collaboration.
1: I know. And I just think songs like uh, Dip in the Ocean and uh, I, I don't know, to me, that's just like, is there a better pop rock just structure than this on that record? Just with the acoustic backing and like.
0: so many uh, of those songs feel like callbacks to their other albums, right? Dip in the Ocean would fit right in on like three of the older albums. Uh, Richie and Ruben, sure. like, weird though it is, is a classic vintage. Let's tell a story about some weird people, Fountains of Wayne song. Absolutely.
1: No, I, I love Richie and Ruben. Um, Summer Place, really just good. Bounds Away song. song. And it's not like they're doing anything insanely different on it. I think I'm also really partial to the production. And I don't even know who produced on that record.
0: I feel like it was self-produced, but I'm going to Google that right now. It I might know. have been.
1: The sound on that record, I think, is incredible. The harmony balance. And I love that Co- Collingwood seems like he's starting to get into his, uh, his look park uh, yeah. bag, a hundred percent with um. someone's going to break your heart. That's just sounds like a look
0: park song. It does. Yeah, I can't see where it says. I'm going to have to actually go dig out the CD. Wiki's not telling me who produced it. I have the okay. actual compact disc somewhere, but it might take me forever to actually find it. Um, sure.
1: Well, don't worry about it. We can talk about it on,
0: on, on a later pod. <laughs> I mean, I'll get, we'll get to that, you know, as I go through the albums in order, we will get to that sure. someday. Well, see, since that's your favorite, you're already reserved for that episode, whenever that is. Oh,
1: well, thank you. I And I get to be a repeat on this. Yeah. I just, I think about Fountains of Land, I just like it blows my mind that they're not a, a slightly bigger deal than they are. It's like,
0: insane and a uh, wonderful and entertaining Twitter follow. Uh, Max from Eve Six, I yeah, he calls yeah. them the greatest American rock band. Absolutely, and I kind of agree.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't know. It, it's all I really do. I, people would like laugh at this so hard, but it's just like, well, like in the '60s you had the Beatles, and then in the '90s you had tons <laughs> of. <laughs> yeah uh, it, it's just like it's just that tradition of that kind of rock and roll and I just feel like they carried it uh, pretty effortlessly um, yeah but it's just yeah I just I think anyone who sits down and listens to the record is, their records is like whoa like this this isn't just the Stacey's mom band these guys yeah. are like
0: oh yeah, also their pro. b-sides some of them are really stinking good yeah for sure all right, so, yeah, this is definitely something we're gonna to have to talk about. This conversation with <laughs> a lot of places I didn't expect, and that's why podcasts are fun.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You could probably cut out the last twenty minutes there, oh, and uh, your gonna. listeners would <laughs> are gonna have to listen to uh, conversations about sabermetrics and fountains of Wayne. But uh, oh well, <laughs>
0: Ooh, we're, we're being our true selves, Brandon.
1: We are. We absolutely are. For sure. Well, right, so, This has been such
0: a blast. Yeah. And where do I find, where do I send people to find you if it is not uh, missing Amelia? How about give me the Westerly station links and all that good stuff too.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, Westerly station is just uh at Westerly station on Instagram, uh, westerlystation.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that, that's pretty much it. We're just, uh, we're, we're looking at, we did a single recently and, uh, we're, we're kind of figuring out when we want to start working up to a release there, but, um, kind of, kind of, kind of on vacation in Westerly town right now.
0: It's all good. So, uh, Hey, thanks for the time. <laughs> I will see you Friday or if you're listening to this, you know, it is Friday since I'm putting this out. Hey, it was nice to see you today, Brandon. We're going to it assume that we've already spoken. Absolutely. I love it. Excellent. Have a good evening. Yeah, you too. Take care, Mike. Thank you once again to Brandon Stemmler for joining me and spending some time with me. Thank you, dear listener, for listening, especially putting up with the first half of this episode when I was obviously having some microphone problems. I really appreciate it. Hey, I'm going to take you out with something a little different today other than just this outro music. Yeah, uh, a special treat uh, for all of you right here on... The You Could Be My Aramis podcast. Uh, We had mentioned earlier that Brandon had played Mandolin on one of my songs. I'm going to play you that song. It is not available anywhere other than my website and my Bandcamp page. It is not available on any streaming services. You cannot find it on iTunes or Spotify or Amazon or Tidal or any of that stuff. If you would like to listen to it, Uh, my website or my Bandcamp page. It's on a split CD I did with the paint splats. You can buy those CDs both on my website or on my Bandcamp page. Brandon did a very nice job uh, with the mandolin. I think it sounds great. And it was such a treat to have him in to play this song with me. I hope, dear listener, that you enjoy it. And I hope that you have a nice weekend. This is called Sunday That Pill.
2: give you back the gun. taking in the hyperventilation so gimme 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 that girl chase with some vodka left of me and feed my ashes to the tree.